Jam On It is the name of the new show. I'm your host, Chanel. And shout out to all the listeners out there, especially if you're from the Central Valley, because you are listening to the Central Valley's alternative 91.9 KCSS. Happy to be on this platform. What Jam On It is about is that I want to introduce you to new artists and new music that you could totally jam out to. So we're going to be listening to this featured artist. Her name is Tali. She's from New York and she's going to talk a little bit about herself and her heritage and how I met the wonderful lovely beautiful Tolly. Oh my gosh, I have to say all these positive adjectives because once you get to know her in this interview, you're going to see why. So before we get into the interview, here's a song from her off her debut album I Am Here and it is Hear You Now on your KCSS.
it's crazy how my day's beginning and yours is ending. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The time difference with LA has been the far and away the hardest part. To, to figure out business wise. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that it took some time to adjust to European time, but you're on your game. Cause I honestly didn't know you were like, it's actually like 10, 11 AM. I was like, Oh, Tolly knows. Okay. I'm going to go for Tolly's word. <laughs> yeah. We got hit. I didn't know who knew they don't do daylight savings time here. Wow. It's just not a thing. Yeah. So the first day, all of our meetings were messed up. Like everything was off because America did daylight savings time and Europe didn't. We were like, all right, well, sorry. Daylight savings has ruined today. <laughs> I remember like being in school and they were seeing how they were trying to vote against daylight saving. And like everyone's like, wait, how do you do that? It naturally does that. But they were talking about like the working hours for, I think, farmers. I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense now. I, yeah, I honestly, I have no, like, what is time? I have no idea. You know, I only knew that they don't do daylight savings time from living here. Now I know. So that's interesting concept. You're saying that because I took a media class in school and we were talking about how time doesn't exist and time is a man-made thing. And yeah. I remember showing up late to class a few times, <laughs> not a morning person. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so I show up late and my teacher's like, are you going to make a habit of this? I was like, but you said that time doesn't exist. So who says I'm late? <laughs> well done. And I want to flash back to 2019 because that's when yes. I first saw you. Uh-huh. And the concert that you put on in LA was my birthday. Oh, yeah. I had tickets to see James Corden that day. So uh-huh. my mom and I, we got ready we went now their taping is supposed to last like two hours well Mm -hmm. it ran a little late and we already had plans to come see your show and so (laughs) after we left we're like booking it we're like ah because we like to be the early birds in concerts because first off we're both really short so we want (laughs) to have a good viewing we're not from LA we're from more of the offskirts of the bay area like central valley Mm -hmm. so we drove Uh there and we're like, okay, we don't know, like, where's this theater? Like, how's the parking situation going to be? And it was like Ugh. 20 minutes away. So we finally get there. And then all of a sudden there's a sign that says, just go park at the church. I was like, oh, that was really easy. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So Brittany O'Connell was the one that introduced me to you. So shout out to Brittany. <laughs> but she like sent me like your album and I listened to it and what drew me to your music it was so different it wasn't like your traditional pop music and you describe Mm. your music as Jewish contemporary pop which is something Mm. super unique do you feel like you're breaking like pop boundaries are you like reinventing this new subgenre yeah it's a really good question I feel like I'm just making the music I'm making right but I will say that that album I am here it didn't fit into any genre And I hope that there are albums after that can live with I Am Here. You know, I hope that it kicks the door open and that other Jewish women and men and people who don't identify with uh, binary, you know, non-binary people, I hope that they hear it and make their own version of it. But I do think that it fits into 
real beautiful revolution of what's happening in pop music where people are bringing in their identity. So you have, you know, singers like Kaliuchis or Rosalia, specifically with Latinx communities that are doing it so well. Your culture becomes your pop music. So I borrowed from them in that space and just brought my Jewish culture to the music. Yeah, because I think listening to this, it might inspire other cultures, other ethnicities to like break out on their own say, hey, like, I love pop music. I want to make pop music, but let me add like my own heritage and my own unique flavor to this. Yes, that's the hope. That's the dream. So you have your new album out. When did the world start ending? And yes, it's very different from the last record conceptually, you know, complete different vibe. What does it mean to you? I've put out two EPs in between where I've been sort of exploring And you're right. It's a complete 180. (laughs) I am here. We did with not one instrument is on that album. I did that whole album in on a computer with my co-producer, Josiah Kozier. And I played in everything and we picked in the sounds and we, you know, that's how we made that album. When I toured it, thank you for coming to the show. I felt something missing in the touring. And often that's what happens. You know, you don't know until you do it. And I miss just playing piano. I missed keys like under my fingers. Unless you're at the level of like James Blake or, you know, Hudmo or that level of artistry, I'm not at that level where I can like really create as spontaneously as I do when I'm on some variety of organic instrument, even if it's a synthesizer, right? So this album is all organic. I mean, it's just a Rhodes and a piano. But it's also a live album. We did it right just as New York had opened up in the summer of 2020. Our record label, Rainbow Vaughn Records, we brought two shows up, myself and Jose James, up to Levon Helm Studios, which is this legendary venue of, you know, the home, the former home of legendary drummer Levon Helm. And he, of course, is a dreamboat. So it's like his home became this massive venue and studio for people in Woodstock. And so we went up there and we filmed two shows that were watched live um, around the world. People streamed in. And then we also recorded that as an album. So it's, like you said, definitely a departure from I Am Here, my first album. But right now, like literally right next door, I'm making the next one. And that one is will be sort of in between the two. Because I don't actually, I don't want to just play piano And I don't want to just play laptop. (laughs) I'd like to do somewhere in between. Yeah, that's what I noticed when I was listening to your live album. It was very more piano based versus I'm here. You heard the claps. And I was like, I think Mm -hmm. I need to get a clap lesson from you. (laughs) (laughs) Happily any day. (laughs) (laughs) They'll make it a tutorial as well as you doing your baking. Oh, yes. You know, everybody has something they did during quarantine, you know, and I... I had always watched, like obsessively watched cake making on Instagram and, you know, like those beautiful videos where they're like decorating and it's like in a time lapse. And I was just like, well, I can't bake, but I love to watch people bake. And then when quarantine hit, I thought to myself, maybe let me me just try. I'll make a cake. It turns out I'm very good at baking. (laughs) So I've been just baking up a storm. I don't have much else to do. You know, I've like gained a lot of weight and I bake bread and cakes and buns and all sorts of things. It brings me a lot of joy. But you've been (laughs) bicycling all over Amsterdam. It's true. Thank God. With the biking, you know, I hadn't worked out in a year. 
So it was the first bike ride. I was like, <gasps> I just forgot how to use my legs. The biking allows me to bake more. It's perfect. So what has been your favorite thing to bake? And have you baked other like Jewish desserts? Yes. So I bake challah every week, which is um, the bread that we eat on Shabbat. I wrote out my recipe for my mom and like a couple of people have asked for it on Instagram, which is how I realized that apparently my recipes are very funny. Um, I made homentashin for Purim just now. We had a, a holiday um, and obviously Passover is coming up. So that'll be a bunch of, we don't eat bread on Passover. So I'll do a bunch of flourless chocolate desserts, you know, but again, not that much because it's just me and Jose here. My favorite thing lately has been these saffron cardamom buns um, with cardamom vanilla bean syrup. I worked all year on what I think is the perfect chocolate cake. It's so good that now I can't order cake, which I'm really bummed about. I ordered cake in Amsterdam because I wanted cake and I didn't want to make one. This isn't as good. I'm so bummed. It's a bummer. <laughs> I have a weakness for chocolate and I love chocolate cake over like any other flavored cake. Good to know. <laughs> but if you can make a really good red velvet for me, I would devour Ooh, it. I've never made red velvet. I'll do it. Just so I can tell you I did it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and Amsterdam likes to put like a secret ingredient. Like a special red velvet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
sure you were clapping along to that song. That was I Have Seen It For Myself from our interview spotlight, Tolly. Well, we have more from Tolly in our upcoming interview, but I want to play this other new song from her that's featured on her live album, and it is titled When Did the World Start Ending? In that interview, we're going to discuss about a little bit more of that song from Tolly, of course. And then right after that, we're jumping into the interview. On your KCSS, I am your host, Chanel. I want to go back to your song that's also on your album when did the Mm. world start ending and Mm. there's a lyric in that song and you sing beautifully I can't sing it but thank (laughs) you love if the world is ending I'll build a new one with you what Mm. does a tolly world look like to you yeah thank you for asking that 
I wrote that song technically for my creative partner and husband, Jose. We were building a new world. Even to just play the show that you're listening to the recording of was a new world. It wasn't something that anyone was thinking about. Um, so a new Tali world to me looks like a space where art is made freely, where artists are premium, where community is valued and celebrated and lifted up, you know, and that's what I was trying to say in that song. I wrote that song the day before the show and I was really grappling with the idea of like, when did it start? I just couldn't, you know, time got so warped in New York and it really got so dark in New York in those months that I couldn't place it really. I knew, okay, we flew back from Japan. I had these shows in Japan. And then when did the world start ending? It just, I was trying to like, did I feel a shift? The line, thank you, that you zeroed in on. Let it in, we'll make a new one. It's also based on the show that we played, right? Part of why we played Leave on Helm was that we were getting these offers from venues that were probably their best shot, right? But they were really bad deals for artists. For example, where we wouldn't make any money and we'd get a split of the ticket sales and then they would own the concert of us forever. You know, and that's like a, a very bad deal. So a new Tolly world looks like a space where we do what we did, which is to say, okay, well, then we're just going to put on the show ourselves. Rainbow Blonde, our label, that we're building that, you know, one brick at a time. Yeah, it's such a beautiful, empowering song. And I think everyone could relate to it in a whole different level of their own. And mm. I'm going to get a little dark here. Ooh, but. <laughs> but if the world were to end tomorrow, what would be your last album you want to listen to? Last album, like, what do you want to go out on? That's a really good question. If the world were ending, what would I want to be like the thing I ended with? Because it's hard, right? You're like, do you pick your favorite or do you pick something just joyous? Stevie Wonder talking book. Or maybe, you know what? Talking book's a little too subdued. We want to go out on a high note. I would pick Stevie Wonder hotter than July. Now relocating to Amsterdam, that's a whole new world for you because you previously sure. lived in New York and L.A. And I know that you're actually teaching songwriting at a conservatory. Yes. How did you like find yourself? Like, why did you want to move to Amsterdam and teach there? Was there something about Amsterdam that they have like a great music scene? I mean, Amsterdam is a wonderful place. It's a, it's always been and it's always been very friendly to me and to Jose, my creative partner. And so we were just kind of looking around and we felt like it was time for a shift and what we wanted. And at the moment when, you know, we knew we wanted to come live here, which meant we needed a visa because Americans have still are not allowed here in Europe. What we wanted though, was a space that would understand us because we're not necessarily teachers, you know what I mean? And I don't know that I'll ever be like a full on university teacher. So we wanted to find a space that would understand and open to building with us program that would give the future of music accurate information. That is something I'm passionate about, students or otherwise. It turns out the Conservatorium von Amsterdam is the second biggest conservatory in the world. It's Berkeley and then them. And so we met the head of um, that conservatory. His name is Edo Regini. He's just this legend of a man. And we just had a preliminary conversation to see if maybe that would be a space that would work. And immediately we knew because he was down for all of the music business things and to bring us as artists in residence. 
I didn't want to teach a songwriting class, for example. I've rarely seen that work, if ever. What I wanted to do was do seminars, you know, five-part spaces that actually equip and we're doing. I'm working with small groups of singers and we're starting from the first moment and on the fifth one, they'll have a song. We will record it. I want things to be real life. I don't think that songwriting is something you can teach. I just don't think it is. At least in my experience, the only songwriting teachers I had were horrible and very mean (laughs) and put me off songwriting for a while. And so I really am trying to just help these singers and some instrumentalists in my classes understand that songwriting is just something you do with experience. You get better at it and that's how it goes. I spoke to another duo band. They're from LA called Dream System 8. And we were talking Mm. about songwriting and Erica, she's one of the members. She was like, I just write based on feeling. It's whatever comes out that's organic and feels natural. Yeah. And how do you explain that to a student? Do you see what I mean? That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, how do you explain to them teaching songwriting is is a scam you know the best thing you can do for songwriting is learn how to be in touch with your own body right like she said learn what feelings are learn how to like process learn how to get out of your own way those are all things and most of those things come with time what i'm trying to teach them is how to get out of their own way and just start recording so that they can keep creating and so that they can start doing that a lot and then their songs will get better (laughs) Well, I love what you're planning to do with the students. And it sounds like you're becoming a mentor. And I did read how you want to like better the community with your music. That's exactly what you're doing there in Amsterdam. How is it like collaborating with your own husband? Because I know before the pandemic, you would be doing separate tours. And I know you you worked with him on his previous albums, but like, how is it now spending the time together and still collaborating in a whole different way? Yes, it is challenging. (laughs) The relationship that we signed on for is the opposite of what life looks like right now. (laughs) You know, when we were like, yes, I do. That was based on two people who travel over 200 days a year. And that works for both of us. Like that's the life that we love. So first of all, we're both a little bit unhappy. (laughs) Like we're both like struggling with being home this much, you know, and then like you said, we just have never seen this much of each other. So there's that to adjust to. I generally create better when I'm by myself, but I will say that I do feel like I've gotten to know Jose so much better. It's really deep. There are things that I just thought were impossible that are becoming more possible. Like I, you know, for example, I write for Jose and I've written for Jose for eight or nine years, like well before we were together. At this point, I've written on his last four albums. Yeah, you know, like just, I write his songs. (laughs) And, but Jose doesn't write for me. That's always been the thing. He's just like, I don't like to write. You write, I sing, you know? If I write, it's by myself, but I'm a very collaborative person. and I don't like to create by myself. He was just like, I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. And I was like, well, you need to, because you're the only person here and I can't go to a studio and see anyone else. You know, to answer your question, we've been learning how to work together. What can Jose offer? And it's been awesome. And it's been an adjustment. He's not down to necessarily help on the things I'm asking. However, 
he has amazing other ideas, you know, like he's really helpful in production land. And he's like, that sound is terrible. <laughs> Switch it out. <laughs> There's been an adjustment period, but that's really where we're meeting. And also we're, we, we're like electric together when it comes to business planning, Rainbow Blonde Records and all of those kinds of things. And so we've really been sowing the seeds for, I think, what is going to be a really incredible and fruitful next few years as far as the label's future, which I'm excited about. That's really ironic because one of my favorite tracks off I Am Here is Star, which is your collaboration with Jose. Yeah, Yeah, we wrote that one. We needed one last song for the album. I finished I Am Here in three weeks. We were like, we need it by this time. Otherwise, we can't put it out. And I did it all. And our third co-founder of the label's house And we wrote that song. A lot of people love that song and I love that song. But again, a good example because we each sing our own verse, like hip hop style. And that's generally how it's been. And I love that. Jose's my favorite singer on earth. Besides Stevie Wonder, Jose's (laughs) it. I love him. I like, like I truly, I was a Jose James fan long before and there was anything between us. And what's so magical about I Am Here is like you said, like that song is very hip hop. And then you have, mm. your, you know, your Jewish contemporary pop. And then Right Size, another favorite track of mine, is very R&B. You have, you just fuse so many genres into this one whole album. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's, um, I will give credit on those sort of like beats. Is That's Josiah Kozier, who was my co-producer on I Am Here. And he is a genius. His beats are nuts and his sounds are so full. And he's really a treasure on earth. I've never been the type to dim or play it low. Born with a knife between my teeth and stones to throw. I bat my eyelashes, clock all their weaknesses and let them go. I'm a star in the sky, just a moment in time. With a steady light ahead of me to let me know why. Shining brighter in a lifetime Power flowing like a
KCSS listeners just heard back-to-back songs of Tali, star featuring her husband, Jose James, and Right Size. They're both off her debut album, I Am Here, so I highly recommend that you check out that album after this interview. We have one final part of the interview where I discuss with Tali her upcoming new album, as well as women who inspire her and Tali is very influential when it comes to female empowerment, which is why I wanted to feature her for Women's History Month on this podcast for Jam On It. So let's get right into that interview. And then we have another final song from Tali, which really brings out her Jewish roots. What can you say about your coming new album? I know it's in the process of, you know, working on it. And I know a lot of musicians like to keep secrets. Nah, this album is big. It's going to have an orchestra on it. It's a mix of this new album, like more acoustic. So I will say it'll be more acoustic. Like there's going to be live bass and there's going to be live drums um, and neon synths and full strings. I would say it's sort of like more measured emotionally. I Am Here was very forward, if that makes sense. Like I Am Here was like, right where I was, you know, every song is that level of honesty where this is lyrically a little more obscured, but I will say also that it's going to be a little less conventional. You know, I am here like not one of the songs is longer than four minutes. It's like a very pop format. And I think here we're going to blur the lines a little more because again, those were things that I missed live. Like when I went to go play those songs live, I wanted them to last longer. <laughs> so I will, that's sort of how it's coming. And also I'm producing the whole thing myself. So a lot of synths and a lot of strings. All right. <laughs> Two of my favorite things. I'm already loving this YouTube project. <laughs> Do you have an idea when it might be out? Yeah, probably January of next year. Oh, <laughs> we have to wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You can't rush art as someone told me. The reason why I wanted to do this interview, because as you know, the month of March is like Women's History Month. So who Mm. are some women that inspire you? So many. My mom. I have a heroic mom. She's just a powerhouse who has been through some of the worst things of anyone I've ever met and thrives and continues on really beautifully. Then... There are my like real pinnacle ladies. I'm obsessed with Iris Apfel. She's the love of my life. My car is named Iris. My coasters have Iris's face on them. You know, I love how colorfully and fearlessly she lives her life. The almighty Joni Mitchell and Carol King, you know, like just mothers of songwriting and honest female experience, you know, tellers of that story. And then there are women on whom I grew up, Jewish, badass women, you know, Clara Lemlich, who was a labor organizer on the Lower East Side, women who helped to get laws in place that no one really knows they did, like the weekend. I don't know if you know this, like that didn't exist. The concept of the weekend was made 
by labor activists um, on the Lower East Side, Clara Lemlake, Emma Goldman, and then Bella Abza, like those kinds of women. And then, of course, Beyonce, the greatest of, of all of all the women. Well, thank you so much for educating me on that. <laughs> but I also want to congratulate you on being a Grammy nominee, which you will always forever, you know, that's tied down to you now, Tali. You're a Grammy nominee. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Just for the rest of my life. Thank you. Yeah, it was a complete shock. I did not even know I was listed. So when I heard, <laughs> it was a very exciting day for me. I'm just really proud of that. Just authentically, actually really grateful for that. Yeah, not many artists can say that. And I have an autograph of a Grammy nominee. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You know, when lockdowns are lifted, when uh, it's everything is safe to open, I would love to see your concert again, whether it's in L.A., New York, if I got to go For to sure. Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of Europe shows. But yeah, as soon as the world opens again, that'll be the first thing I do is <laughs> play shows because I miss them so much. Well, thank you so much, Talia, again, for speaking with me. And, you know, you just have this ray of light in you. And I like how you said that when you put on concerts, it's like you're playing in your personal living room. That's how I felt when I saw your LA mm. show. Thank you. That's, again, the dream. Like, that's exactly it. And I really like my living room. You're actually in my living room right now. <laughs> but, you know, I want everyone to feel like they're at home with me. That's the goal. So I'm glad that I was able to make you feel that way.
Well, there you have it, KCSS listeners. That was our Grammy nominee, Tolly, who you've been listening to these past few minutes of the podcast jam on it. I want to give a huge, big thank you to Tolly for speaking with me all the way from Amsterdam. I had a fun conversation through Zoom. So that's the whole recording you just heard was through Zoom. And hopefully I get to do more of this interviews because they're really fun for me and hopefully for the artists as well. So be expecting to hear more from Chanel and jam on it on your KCSS. Make sure to follow and check out Tolly's music. Her voice is a whole other world. And that's the reason why I do this podcast is because I'm trying to introduce you to new artist discoveries. So she's definitely on the top of my list and she should be on yours as well. All right, we'll keep listening to The Valley's True Alternative, KCSS. Adios from Chanel. We are the jam on-